Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The writer here to the Hebrew believers were to encourage them in their faith, their walk with Jesus. They're starting to question themselves because of the outside influences that many times can happen in one's lives. It happened then and it still happens to us today where we can be influenced by those who say, what are you doing just following Jesus by faith and you put your entire trust, your life in this one person you cannot see? To the world, that's craziness. But even into the religious world, that is crazy even that today. Many are trying to pull them back in these days, back into Judaism, back into religiosity, back into the traditions and the rules and regulations, the law that governed them. Versus living a life that is based upon faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. And how important that it is still today because many religious influences are trying to pull you and I back into the law or back into these things that take your mind off of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who represents you and I. And so how important it is that he is the word and that's why we study the word verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, all 66 books. If you're with me long enough. <laughs> it's been over 10 years and we still haven't finished the 66 books. But we're moving, we're moving along, you know. A fulfilled purpose. A fulfilled purpose of God's word was here. We see in, uh, kind of the, the tone of what we're talking about is that promised land that one day the Hebrews would realize they would be able to go into that promised land. We see that 300 years later, after the death of Joseph that we talked about last week, when the children of Israel began to make that trek from Egypt across the wilderness into the promised land, they would be carrying the mummy or the bones as is referenced in verse 22 of chapter 11, the bones of Joseph to be buried into the land of promise. Today we pick back up and we see now we've moved or jumped ahead several hundred years. Now the writer references an occasion what took place several hundred years later. With the transition of the life of Moses... The writer here reminds those Hebrew believers that there was a focus on the way faith confronts opposition and confronts hostility against the promises of God. That the writer wanted to let these Hebrew believers know that there is a way that God deals with opposition and hostility against the things that God wanted to fulfill in the lives of his people. And that God shows through this writer to these believers and to us this day. That God by faith can deal with the opposition and hostility that will come against you. And fulfilling or what God wants to fulfill in your life as a believer. That you and I don't have to worry about these things. Just as the writer was saying to them. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's going to bring you through these challenging times in your life. 
If you do believe and trust in Jesus Christ with all your heart and mind, soul, and strength, those who do, you have that assurance, that promise. Regardless of how ugly, regardless of how dark, regardless of how difficult, Jesus is going to bring you through these things if you will trust him by faith. The writer here now uses Moses once again in our conversation as an example of a man of faith. And he's going to give us five different by faith Moses or by faith he and show how God worked. And we see the very first one here today. But as we go through this, understand by faith Moses. Who's Moses? For those who may not have been walking and studying with us, you have to remember he is the lawgiver. He was the deliverer. He was the historian of the nation of Israel. And Moses was also the meekest man on the face of the earth. How do I know that? How do you know that? By studying the scriptures. We're in the book of Numbers on Wednesday night. If you were with me, you saw that written in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. You didn't know that, did you? But those who've been following on Wednesday nights, you knew that because we covered these scriptures. He was the meekest man on the face of the earth. No wonder then, when the Jewish people to whom the, this book is being written to esteemed Moses greatly because they greatly understood who Moses was and what God did to fulfill the promises of his people through this man. So they look very highly upon this man, Moses. That's why the writer, God, the Holy Spirit's showing the writer to use him as an example of just placing Moses even higher than the angels we see. But in these verses that we're going to cover today, you're going to see seven characteristics of this remarkable man whose name was Moses who walked by faith. Let's see if you follow with me here. Let's first one. Chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So we see right up here, Moses was very blessed to have believing parents. That these believing parents feared God more than the government. Feared God more than some ruler or some leader of some organization that tells you to do something that goes against the fulfillment of the purpose of God. And we see right here that Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed, we get from Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, so we know who his parents' names were. It talks about the, the story here. The writer reminds or brings the readers back to a time that when you go back and read Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, it talks about this account of Moses' birth. And if you remember, again, it's important because when we studied Joseph, was that his, it was the, um, you know, in a position of, of power in Egypt at the time when he was living. He was the second most powerful. He was like the prime minister of Egypt. The language, the Greek language even shows that he was probably the next one to become Pharaoh. That's how powerful he was in the position that God raised him up to do. But as he sits here and we look at Joseph's life, 
when he died, everything changed because now a new pharaoh was put into place. With this new pharaoh became, became a new government, new politics. They did, this new pharaoh did not know who Joseph was historically and didn't understand how he was used mightily in his people in the lives of Egypt. And because of that, we see in the scripture that the Hebrew people grew in the number so much, so greatly, so fast, that Pharaoh became very scared and feared that the people of the Israelites there in Goshen was going to be so powerful that they would then make the Egyptians slaves and do the work and not them. And out of fear, he then obviously put a decree out there. And as they began to multiply rapidly, there was an order put out that all the baby boys were to be drowned in the Nile. You know the story. And so when Moses was born, by faith his parents hid him for these three months. They disobeyed the orders of Pharaoh. Why? Because the scripture tells us here from this writer that he was a beautiful child. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. Now, <laughs> I'm a grandparent. So anytime I see a child, it's like, that's a beautiful child. That is a beautiful... I don't... The scripture doesn't show. They looked at the child Moses and said, Honey, we got a beautiful child here. This is worth keeping, not throwing in the nut. That's not what the, the word beautiful means here in this Greek. It means that there was something special about the child they knew without a doubt that God was going to use this child for his God's purpose and fulfilling his purpose. There was something about the child that God revealed to them. And we see in the word that we have is, uh, is, is, is beautiful, but the, it's really the word is purpose or purposeful. That's the word here for beautiful. Now, I don't say Moses wasn't a nice-looking kid. He was a beautiful kid. Everyone has a beautiful child <laughs> in the eyes of mom. But, but really, in this case, there was something special about this child, and they were willing to go against everyone to hide that child. They show great faith, do they not? These parents showed great faith to hide their baby son from the government authorities when they perceived the fact that God gave him this son and it was something that this son was special. Now it's interesting is because as a parent, you have no idea <laughs> what your children are going to be. You don't know what they're going to grow up to be. You don't know how long they're going to live. You don't have any of this. All you know is God gave you a child and you were to raise them up. Now as Christian parents, you dedicate your child and say, God, this child is yours. This child doesn't live through my life that I didn't get to fulfill. They don't go do things that I wish I could do and, and I'm going to make them become this and, and groom them to do this and this. No, Christian parents raise your children up, dedicating your children to God and say, God, you have a purpose and a, and a, a plan for this child and I want it fulfilled. I just want to be vessels as parents to help fulfill those purpose that you have for their lives. That's the two different ways of raising your children. Some people today say, these are, these are kids, these are fine, they're, they were entertaining, it's like I wanted to have kids, and uh, let the world raise them up and take care of them. That's what majority of people do. And see what, what's, what's happening in society today. But they chose 
They knew that Moses is a godly, had a godly purpose that was to be fulfilled by God, and they were going to protect that child. Now, godly parents cannot pass on their faith as they do like family traits. They can certainly create an atmosphere of faith at the home and be examples to their children to encourage them to walk the way they walk. Good or bad, parents do that. You walk according to God's ways, they have a great example. They want to live that way. If you walk worldly and walk your own way selfishly, guess what your kids are going to learn? They're going to choose to live like you do. And so we have to be very careful that at home and in the home is the very first step or first place or first school of faith for a child. It should start it at the home. Now we see here in verses 24 through 26, we see that God's going to use Moses here very specifically, and really bring about these characteristics that we'll see that God has been working in this man named Moses as an adult. It says here in verse 24, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's interesting, because if you don't know the story, they're like, okay, what does that mean of age? He became a rebellious teenager? No, not, no. if you know the scripture, that's not it. What, is it, what did he mean by that became of age? Well, we see here the very first trait is that Moses made a decision of, of humility. He chose a different path than what he was on that was in line with God. He was willing to humble himself and change course. Still questioning in your mind, what, how old was he when he made this decision? He was 40. How do we know that? Well, if you go back and read Acts chapter 7, verse 23, that is when he became, that age is when he made the decision he was going to take care of the Hebrew that was being beaten up by the Egyptian. And he said, enough is enough. I have to defend and be for my people, God's people, and not Egypt. So he humbled himself. He changed things. Remember, he was raised up in the schools of Egypt, the, the, the most sophisticated science, arts, all of the social things that a worldly government and, and, and society would offer him. Everything. And he was part of Pharaoh's inner circle. He was a family. He had all of the wealth and the prestige and position and popularity Everything was going for his life and he chose to humble himself and let all of that go and humbly to serve God. That was a huge step of faith. Are you, are you in agreement? Picture, you had the finest clothes, the finest chariot. People, people actually washed your chariot for you. Fed your little horse, or horses, or teams of horses. You had everything at your fingertip. You could live the lifestyle that you've always dreamt of in the palace of Pharaoh. But by faith, 
Moses knew that God was calling him to to fulfill a different purpose. That God had designed for his life from birth. Many people today think that was then and that's not true today and that's not accurate. When when your child and when you were born, God had a purpose and a plan for your life and he wants to fulfill it. You need to pursue God with all your heart and mind, soul and strength and allow him to direct your steps for your purpose, for your, his, your life that he has for you. And let me challenge you, my brothers and sisters, out of love. Oh, out of, this is out of love. Your biggest stress or biggest struggles is not willing to take that step of faith and take a different path as radical as Moses has done. But God's with you. God is for you. Whatever that is, spend some time with the Lord. Get it sorted out. When he became of age, that age of 40, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. A whole new lifestyle change. Whole new life. It was like the old was dead and the new life began. All of it. In every aspect of his life. There wasn't some minor adjustments to his life. It was a radical change of life. How he was going to think. How, where he was going to dine, where he was going to eat, what he was going to spend time on, who was going to be his inner circle and people around him. Every aspect of his life changed with the decision to walk by faith and doing what God's called him to do to fulfill his purpose. Look at the second one, verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. This is the second characteristic. Moses' humility was the first one, choosing a different path. But the second one is Moses' long-suffering, his maturity. He had grown now to this point of a fruit of the Spirit, of long-suffering that was bearing. He was going to choose to suffer than the pleasures of sin. That was his radical change of his life. He was no longer going to fulfill his life with the pleasures of sin. He was choosing to, to he, the, this new path he was going to be on, it was going to have consequences to his life. That Moses knew to go God's way meant to suffer affliction in his life. He knew that. Rather than enjoying the passing pleasures of sin. Why? Because Moses properly saw that the the temporary pleasures of sin was so short-minded, so so here and now immediate pleasure, that being in God's will, even if it meant suffering, was the long-term eternal perspective. And he knew that because God revealed it to him. Now what's interesting is true faith causes a believer to hold right values and make the right decisions. And that's played out here in this this step right here in verse 25 is that 
he had true faith in God. This wasn't some Christian-y, by name only, veneer. You kind of look like a Christian, smell like a Christian, got the lingo down, and yeah, you can respond pretty well on some of the things. No, his actions and his decisions lined up with the fact that he had true faith in God. And that a true believer causes you and I to hold right values and make right decisions because of the fact that you've turned to God for those for the answer for the direction and you can see it in people's lives you can see in the decisions they make in hard decisions in difficult situations in difficult difficult consequences that are facing and they're suffering affliction and you see that they still continue to make decisions that are based on right values godly values and godly decisions verse 26 esteeming the the reproach of christ greater riches than the treasures in egypt for he looked to the reward I kind of hinted on this third characteristic, and that is Moses has an eternal focus. He was investing into the eternal things, not the temporal things, not what you can do and play and have fun and do now, which is short-sightedness. He had a long-term eternal perspective of his life, and that's why he was able to esteeming the reproach of Christ, the, 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 the consequences that would come by following Christ, these greater riches that he saw in his relationship with Christ was far greater the fact that he had this relationship with God, that it was so much more valuable to be in God's uh, pleasing of God than it was to pleasing self. To choosing to choose to go down a hard road to please God versus to take in the treasures that was at his fingertips that he played with every day in Egypt. Why? Because he looked to the reward that God had promised. So on one side you have the son of Pharaoh's daughter with all the glory of the royal uh, majesty, the royal palace, and all these beautiful things, the riches that Egypt had in those days, and probably still does, but certainly down back in those days, all of that was right there for him to choose to continue to live that way. On the other side, you have this affliction of the people of God, the reproach of Christ, the affliction that comes with your identity with Christ. You have the immediate advantage and the eternal advantage to choose from. You have these things you you need to weigh out in your life. Do we or do we not do this? Moses wisely chose the eternal over the immediate pleasures and gratifications of life. We must be there as too, as brothers and sisters. We must, you must mature and learn to have an eternal perspective. And the decisions you make and the weighing of the decisions, it cannot be based upon how you feel. Your feelings will mislead you. You must understand and seek after God and allow him to speak into your life. What is the plan and purpose that he has for your life to be fulfilled? And do not make immediate emotion decisions. Yes, 
Because you were hurt. Yes, they were a difficult situation. Yes, the drought may come. Yes, the, the diseases and the pestilence may come. But that should not change what God's truth is and what his plan is according to his word. And so it's important, as Moses see here, he made the wise decision, even if it meant suffering, even if it meant the fact that he lost all the worldly benefits that he could see and he think he could get. See, God gives us this kind of wisdom that in our choices we will make eternal view perspectives in those decisions. As a child of God, if you ask for his wisdom, he'll give you his wisdom to give you an understanding of how to make decisions from an eternal perspective. The challenge is, is most people don't ask for wisdom. They don't even seek after what God says in his word. They go up based on all these talking heads and all these other feelings, and it will mislead you. And you can make some really bad consequences in your life. We've all been there. We've all done that. And only by the grace of God that we can come back and his mercies are new every morning. And be remembered, I'm white as snow. I'm white as snow. <laughs> I'm white as snow. God forgives you. And if he's forgiven you so much, how could we not forgive others? How could we not show mercy to others? How could we not show grace to others? We've been given so much. So yes, humility. Yes, long-suffering, this maturity to willing to suffer. And yes, Moses had this eternal focus. He was invested in the eternal things, not the temporal things in his life. You know, it's interesting. I pondered on this. It's like Moses probably didn't have any clue of the magnitude of what God was, has or is and was going to do through his life. He was just living day by day, month by month, year by year, just being obedient to what God was showing him to do. He had no idea. And I'm thankful, aren't you? Can you imagine God showing you your entire life of what you would have to go through to fulfill the purpose and plan in your life? You couldn't handle it. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. You can't handle now what's going on in your life. Can you imagine having a flash of everything from the beginning to the end? Thank God you forgot the traumatic experience being it going through birth. Moses really didn't have a really, didn't know at the time, but his persecution that he would go through, all the challenges he would go through, his suffering he would go through was in great company to his, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that would be coming. Moses suffered to free man from bondage. He's in great company because Jesus came to free men from bondage. Oh, what a great... Are you like Jesus? He could. He could say his faith in God brought him to that point. See, the internal reward that he had, that focus on the reward of living for God, so far outweighs 
any temporal advantage that you and I may think we would have if we take that. That living in the flesh somehow is this temporal pleasure, but it leads to destruction. It leads to emptiness. And Moses understood that, that that was just going to lead him to a point of absence of God if he would have stayed in Egypt in the position he was in. He needed to make the decision to follow God with all of his heart. Now it's interesting as you ponder on these, the life of Moses and what he went through, he went through the exact same three temptations that the scripture talks about that Eve went through, that you and I go through, even Jesus Christ went through these same three temptations that the Bible speaks of. Do you know what those are? Do you know where to find them? Let me give it to you. 1 John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. For all that is in the world, and here's the three temptations, the lust of the what? The flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride of the of life. Those were the three temptations that tempted Moses in his life and by the by faith he overcame those temptations, he didn't succumb to those temptations and he moved forward in doing and fulfilling God's purpose for his life. Eve didn't do well. Adam didn't do well. Jesus did extremely well. The question is, is how well are you and I doing in overcoming these three same three temptations that the world offers? You could also put it this way. The lust of the flesh is positions. The, de the, the desire to have a higher positions. More powerful positions. The lust of the eyes is passions. The passion for this and the passion for that. What are your passions? Is it Jesus? Is it pleasing God or is it pleasing yourself? How about the, and the pride of life, which is possessions? Oh, do you see what I have? Do you see how big my house is? And you see what kind of car I'm driving? Do you see what... Is so subtle so many times. And, you're, and sometimes maybe, oh, I'm so proud of my achievements. As a child of God, who gave you those abilities and achievements? Do you really believe that God has placed you there and gave you those positions and possessions and those things that he's adding to your life? See, Moses, by faith, called to a different position. He chose to walk away from royalty and go to the king of kings and lord of lords. That's who he chose to follow. Not the pharaoh of this world. To be in the will of God. Not going against the will of God. That's what he chose. He chose not to fulfill the lust of his flesh. Moses by faith was willing to suffer affliction as a child of God. Not the lust of the eyes where he wants the comforts and, and spa-like life and just live just on the cloud. 
Moses, by faith, not to pursue riches, but pursue the Messiah to come, the promise he knew from the Old Testament. That is the pride of life, that possessions. He didn't need any of that. He just wanted to be in the will of God, doing the will of God, living after the will of God, be identified as being a, God, a follower of God, and that is all he wanted in his life. And look what God did to this man. So many people go, well, if I do that in my life, then I'm just going to be sitting around poor, sitting in my house, nothing to do, nowhere to go, no friends. no. See, you don't understand God. Ask Moses. You, did, he, did he hang around and, and, and not do anything in his life? He led almost two to three million people out of captivity. Do you think cha-ching, the rewards in heaven at the Bema seat is going to be pretty good for him? But was he perfect? No, during that whole thing we've been studying, he wasn't perfect, but he was fulfilling the purpose of his life that God called on him. He was in the will of God. He didn't do it really well at some times. As we will learn Wednesday night, if you come and watch, you're going to see he didn't finish well in that purpose that God called him to do. But the fact that he's a still seen as a man of faith, even though he wasn't perfect, should be a great encouragement for you and I. We see in verse 27, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We see two more traits here. We know that Moses' humility, we see Moses' long-suffering, we see Moses' eternal uh, focus. Now we see, number four, is Moses walked in peace. We see that by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Because his decision, he knew the king was not going to be happy. It wasn't going to be, oh man... He was going to be groomed up to the next position. And oh man, this is going to make my life more difficult. Who am I going to replace? No, 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 no. He understood the wrath of the king. The full force of the government of the king was going to come upon him. But a man of faith does not walk in fear. Let me say that again. A man and a woman... A faith does not walk in fear. Nope. I know. There's no condemnation here. If you're not there, that just means you need to continue to mature. That's why you're here. That's why you're studying the Word of God. That's why you're worshiping. That's why you're in fellowship. You're on the right track. Keep showing up regardless of how you feel. You're going to get to a point where God is going to mature you to where you will not live in fear. You will not live in fear of man. You will not live in fear of the past. You will not live in the fear of the future. These things will not grip you. Why? Why? Because you're in the will of God. 
you're moving in a different path now. You've made it, you've humbled yourself. You've asked for forgiveness of your sins. You've been changed. You have a new nature. You're now living, you're a child of God. You're in a new position. Your whole life changed when you were born again. If you haven't experienced that, then you, today's the day you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to be born again. If you have not changed, your life has not changed. You need to ask God, God, why have I not changed? Am I born again? And if I am born again and you remember the day when he transformed you, boom. Then now say, Lord, what do I need to do now to mature? Because obviously I'm not, I've been drifting and falling back. I'm not growing. But you're here. That's when I want to encourage you. You showed up. I hope you came with listening ears because those who come and sit to hear the word of God with listening ears intently, I want to hear every word. You're going to grow. You're going to change. You will see the fruit in due time. Moses chose to walk in peace and not in fear. Why? Because God was with him. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situations, past, present, it, that doesn't matter. When you were a child of God walking with him, there is a peace, his peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He comes inside you and he gives you his peace even over the nastiest and difficult situations you're dealing with. Will you trust him? Even if the wrath of the king is coming down upon you. The second thing here is the second part of chapter 20, verse 27 is he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses developed an absolute faithfulness in his life. He was faithful to do what God was calling him to do. A faithfulness, a characteristic of him. He had spiritual eyesight. He had a biblical worldview of what was going on around him at all times. It's a faithfulness that is brought about by spending time with God and having God walk him through these difficult times in their life. It will bring about a faithfulness and God just calls us as, 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 as children of God to be faithful. When we show up and we're absent from this body in the presence of the Lord, what is what we want to hear? What does the scripture say? Well done, good and faithful servant that's all God's asking of us just be faithful in what he's called you to do desiring to be in his will Moses was by faith that's why he made the hall of faith here is because even though he wasn't perfect he continued to get back up and pursue God and allow God to move and work in his life to change him so that he would get back on track he had this biblical worldview of I'm going to be just say faithful and just seeing things the way God wants me to see them and walk through this life that way regardless of what the world was doing he was willing to forsake everything, overcome the fear. Did you know God always rewards true faith? He always rewards true faith. It could be immediately or it could be ultimately you will receive rewards for that faithfulness. But everyone wants immediate gratification. 
This world has created immediate gratification. And it really throws people's off on their faith and their walk with God. And, and that's part of maturity. Don't get me wrong. It, it's just maturity. Everyone goes through those roller coasters of highs and lows. And, and you, some of you are on the loop de loop and you're not off of it yet. But eventually the roller coaster will stop, the loops will stop, and you're going to come down to, you know, just riding the wave. You know what I'm saying? But that's maturity. See, Moses chose the imperishable and saw the, in, the invisible to do the impossible. Moses chose. He made a decision. He chose the imperishable saw the invisible. He saw God working in and through his life and his purpose. And he watched how God was working in other people's lives. And that invisible, that, that, that seeing God working through his life and people's lives, it came to see how God can do some incredible, impossible things through people's lives. And he had that perspective, and we all need that perspective, because Moses' faith enabled him to face Pharaoh unafraid. He had a peace that goes beyond your own understanding, the scripture talks about. To trust God to deal with the enemy that is at your doorstep. God is going to fight your battles. There is no weapon can be formed against you, the Bible says. And if God is for you, who can even in their right mind think about coming against you? Do they not know who your big daddy is? Your Abba, who sees all things, knows all things, and all-powerful, and can stop a heartbeat like that? People who come against God's people don't know who they're dealing with. Do you believe that? I hope so, because they will change your decisions and how you treat other people. Oh, be very careful how we treat God's, pe- God's children, God's people. You want that love of God, that fruit of the Spirit to be developed as soon as possible so you're more consistent every day loving others unconditionally. Because if you're not there yet, ooh, I pray you will, you will choose today to follow him and get back on the right path and follow God. Because you don't have that, that, that you're not moving toward the unconditional love. You're not moving in the right direction, I assure you, according to the scripture. See, I love this word endurance here at the end of verse 27 because it's so important to understand that this does take endurance. It's not immediate. Agree. So in the endurance of Moses was not a natural gift. It wasn't a natural gift. For by nature, Moses was hesitant as we read the scripture. He was very passive in his his passive-aggressive kind of attitude kind of thing. If you read the scriptures, you can see those characteristics in this man early on. So that wasn't his natural bent to be 
to have endurance. But this endurance, this courage came as the reward of him following God and allowing his just to faithfully just just keep trusting God, keep trusting God, keep by faith, I keep walking each day. And eventually this endurance, this this change of life, this endurance came about in his life that is so incredible because that courage was there to be able to make hard decisions for God. Let me rephrase that. To make hard decisions as the Lord showed him he needed to make. He followed through out of obedience. It wasn't natural. He became a changed life. I love the scripture because it, he never gives you more than you can handle. I'm thankful for that because sometimes you say, I can't handle this. <laughs> well, if you're a child of God, he's allowed it in your life. Remember, nothing touches your life unless it's father filtered. So that he obviously has allowed it in your life to use it to change your life. and To help you to grow and mature by putting trust in him, not yourself or any other per- person. Yes, your parents are loving. I know that. I know your spouse is the best, the greatest, the perfect one. But none of them are God. None of them are God. You must keep your eyes on God and do what he says to do. The faith of Moses was rewarded with deliverance of him and his people. That was part of the reward of him willing to live on a different course by following and doing what God's called him to do to lead to lead two to three million people out. That is not what was on his radar when he was a young man, I assure you. But that's what God had in the calling of his life. You can see the exciting or the, that, that huge decision here we will see at the Passover here in verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So we see number six characteristic and that Moses was obedient. He was obedient because he kept the Passover that God outlined to his people of what they were to do. Remember, to bring them out, if you remember, that final plague on the Egyptians was what? He was going to take the firstborn's life across the entire nation to include the Hebrews if they did not obediently do what God called them to do, which was called Passover. If you remember the story, go back and read Exodus 12. But you know that the Lord said to them, you need to get a a perfect lamb, the firstborn male lamb. You're going to, per household, you're going to have that lamb. You're going to sacrifice that lamb. You're going to take that blood, put it in a bowl, take the hyssop branches, and you're going to put blood on the lentils of that doorstep. And as the angel of death passes over that darkness that night, any house that had the blood on the lentils, the doorposts, the angel of death would pass over that house and no firstborn would die. Exclude the animal too. Those who believed and trust in what God said to his people, they did it. 
We also see, and I believe, that even Egyptians, non-Jews, knew the power of their God and they believed what the people were doing and they just jumped right inside that little doorhouse the same night to make sure they had covering as well. But those who do not believe in God, they think this is just a hoax and this is a crazy, like Pharaoh and all the Egyptians, they did not do that. And they started one by one hearing the howling of cries through the, the nation. That last plague caused Pharaoh to finally let his pe- God's people go. And then Moses, oh man, what are we going to do now? But it took faith to believe that the blood of the lamb on the doorpost would save a household from the ultimate terror that no parent would ever want to experience. And that is an angel of death to pass over and take your firstborn. But Moses had that faith. He kept that faith. He was obedient to that faith. And he wanted to make sure the nation of Israel was protected as God said he needed to be and make sure people knew that this is what they needed to do. The Greek word translated kept in this verse denotes a continual action. In other words, Moses kept on keeping Passover. They they still today in many respects, but not to the way it was back in this day and what it meant. But why did they keep this Passover? To keep the death angel away. They kept on remembering and sacrificing and doing God so that God would cover them and their house. And because Christ is our Passover seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, we may we also come to him by faith to the Lord's table when we do discerning the Lord's body and and bringing an understanding of what Jesus did as our lamb on that cross to pay for the penalties for our sins. And it's by that faith and remembrance. Coming to the Lord's table is a remembrance. Why do the Jews keep the Passover each year? As a remembrance of what God said in his promise and he did to protect them. We must remember Jesus is our Passover. We, he will protect. He is our all in all. He's the one that is going to examine and look at our hearts. So we must come to him each and every time, especially the Lord's table where we come to remembrance of what he does. Make sure we come to him with the right heart and the right intent for that. And finally here, verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. So number seven characteristics is Moses lived the new life. He chose to live this new life that God gave him. He happened to be also the leader of the entire nation of Israel to help them to understand we're living a new life now. 
Everything of the past is the past, is gone, is no more to deal with. We're not going back. And as we've been studying Leviticus and Numbers, you see how tempting that is sometimes in the lives of the, the people of Israel because they kept, and we'll see it this Wednesday. That was my second plug for you to come on Wednesday nights. I have no shame of that, you know that. <laughs> I want you to learn the Old Testament and the New Testament. I want you to make sure you have the full balance of counsel of God. Because why? The New Testament speaks of the Old Testament. So why would you avoid the Old Testament? You shouldn't. So as we look at this, we see two groups of people doing the same thing and two, with two different results. Look at this. Moses lived a new life. There was an ordinance of baptism right here in this verse. You may not know that, but let me explain. The difference between the Israelites crossing the Red Sea and the Egyptians who followed them to cross the Red Sea, one was by faith, the other one was just blindly following along. It was just a... It wasn't any more courage or anything else. They were just, they already saw the path. They already saw what people already done. They were just kind of just following along. They had the wrong intent, the wrong heart, did they not? The Egyptians had as much or more courage than the Israelites, but not from the same basis. The Israelites passed through with courage and by faith, because God was making a way that seemed to have no way. Remember, you know the story? The waters parted. They crossed dry land. The Egyptians did not come by faith. They did it purely based on their own power, their own might, and their own wisdom. Not by faith in God. They were going to war. They were going to wipe out all two to three million or at least bring them back in slavery and bondage to continue to do the work for them. But as they go through, and you notice and remember the story, as they go through that, <clears throat> excuse me, and that each one, as they take these paths through the same path, the same thing, the result, the one who followed by faith and did but lived by faith, followed God by faith, trusted God, they survived. They were brought through that circumstances or situation. But the Egyptians, the warriors, were doing it based on power and might and their own understanding, and that resulted in them drowning. It resulted in death. Not only did Moses keep the ordinance of Passover... But now he's keeping the ordinance of this new life, this life that's been baptized in Christ or baptized by God. And we see that how? The Red, the Red Sea is very clear in the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, that the Red Sea is a picture of baptism. The same writers that are parted for the Israelites buried the Egyptian. Those same waters, I should say. Exact same waters, one brought life, a new life, a, a path down a path of God, the other one brought death because they relied upon themselves. So too, by entering the waters of baptism, 
we say, bury the Egyptian in me, Lord. When you're baptized, you're fully immersed, you're saying, Lord, just bury the Egyptian in me. The old life, just let it be buried. Let it be drowned. Let it die. I want that never to come up again. I want to live the new life, this baptized life in Christ. I want to change. And you've changed me. Lord, drown out the old life, the flesh, the world, anything of the world that is in the past. Let it be drowned. Let it be buried in the water. That's what baptism is a symbol of. Baptism doesn't save you. It's a reflection of the changed heart that already happened. Remember, they were saved not through the Red Sea. They were saved by bringing by the lamb of by the the Passover, the sacrificial lamb. That's what saved them. The baptism was a reflection of just God's provision through from an old life into the new life. We must, my brothers and sisters, you must get to a point in your life you let the past be the past. The old life, the Egyptian life, the worldly life, you have to make a decision to surrender all. All the pain, all the short, you name it. I can't even begin. I'll, I'll get tongue-tied on all the potential things you can say. And choose for yourself this day who you shall serve. It's really, that's it. And it's a daily decision, my brothers and sisters. It's a once, you're done. You're, you're saved. You're sealed for eternity. You cannot lose your salvation. You are going to sit there and you're a child of God. You're in a new position, a new place, a new identity. The question is, will you grow and mature? Don't stunt your growth by playing back in the old life. It's a miserable life if you do that. It's a cardinal life if you do that. And great consequences will become upon you. You don't want that. If you've done it, it's, it's time to move forward this today, right? Today's a new day. Today's the day you move forward if you haven't. And be set free. See, when we trust God, we get what God can do. <laughs> it's really simple, is it not? If you trust God, you will get what God will give you. You will get it. God will do some great things in and through your life. But when we trust ourselves, our own power, our might, and our, our logic, and our flesh, and our feelings, and all these things, we get only what weak people can get. You're only going to get what weak people can do. The experience of Moses is proof that true biblical faith means obeying. Obeying God in spite of. True biblical faith is obeying God in spite of. In spite of what? Your situations, consequences, failures. 
The wonderful, fulfilled purpose of faith brings us out and takes us through this wonderful life that God has given us into eternity. Amen?